Welcome to another edition of American Bankruptcy Institute Podcast. I'm Sam Giordano, ABI Executive Director. Our special guest today is Mark Zandi. He's the author of the forthcoming book, Financial Shock, a 360-degree look at the subprime mortgage implosion and how to avoid the next financial crisis. It's due out uh, this month of July and available for pre-ordering on Amazon and and other uh, sources. Mark is well-suited for the topic as chief economist and co-founder of Moody'sEconomy.com, where he directs the company's research and consulting activities. Moody'sEconomy.com provides economic research and consulting services to businesses, government, and other institutions. Mark's research interests include macroeconomics, financial and regional economics, including mortgage foreclosures and bankruptcies. A frequent quote in the national media. He's also testified before several congressional committees. Mark has a PhD from Penn, where he also received his undergraduate degree. He works and lives in the Philadelphia area still today. Welcome to ABI Podcast, Mark. Thank you, Sam, and thanks for the opportunity to participate today. Let's um, let's get started with uh, the current uh, mortgage and homeowner uh, scenario. The latest. Projections are that some 2.5 to 3 million, depending on who's doing the counting, homeowners may be headed toward default. As we speak uh, today at the beginning of uh, July, the federal housing rescue package, such as it is, has been delayed on the Hill. Uh, Even if it's signed into law, what kind of impact do you think this might have in terms of helping people most in need? It would have a small impact. uh, the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, estimates that it would help approximately half a million homeowners, and that might be on the optimistic side. I think it's a laudable effort uh, and should be pursued and passed into law, and uh, we should give it a shot. But there are some significant impediments to its uh, successful uh, implementation and uh, probably argues that we're going to need uh, an even more aggressive policy response, if not uh, during the current president's administration, certainly the next one. As you point out, the the foreclosure problem is a very, very serious one, and, and I don't think that it's going to go away uh, quickly. I think it's going to be a problem that we're going to struggle with uh, through the end of this decade and into early next. You've been a, uh, a critic, I think it's fair to say, of the uh, Bush administration and the Treasury Secretary for uh, perhaps too timid a response to the housing and mortgage uh, problems, favoring a more uh, muscular approach. What should uh, official Washington be doing, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I have been critical, uh, particularly early on uh, this time last year in the wake of the uh, subprime financial shock uh, when it first hit. I, I felt that uh, the impact of the uh, of the crisis and, and the unfolding problems in the housing mortgage markets required a very aggressive policy response. And it's, it's hard to believe, but if you think back at that time, the administration was still dead set against uh, uh, allowing Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to be more aggressive. They really weren't thinking uh, about FHA as a, as a way to provide more credit to the mortgage market. They thought it was an institution that should be downsized. And, uh, you know, I think they've made great strides you know, given events. Uh, FHA has now been empowered. Uh, it's become the most important provider of new mortgage. 
mortgage credit to many uh, housing markets across the country. The GSEs, Fannie and Freddie, have been given more uh, authority, and I, I expect that they will become uh, more important to the mortgage market later this year into next. And, uh, you know, I think the administration has been very tentative in its support of, uh, of other uh, uh, proposals like the Frank Dodd proposal that we just discussed. Uh, it's still not clear that uh, they're going to sign that bill, even if Congress uh, passes right. it. Uh, so, uh, you know, I understand their, at this point, I understand their reticence. Uh, you know, there, there are some legitimate concerns, uh, fairness issues. You know, what about the homeowners who don't qualify for the, for the plan but are struggling uh, just as hard to hold on and to make their mortgage payments? What about moral hazard? You know, right. Very legitimate issues. Uh, but I do think at this point, uh, because of, the housing, the severity of the housing market problems, the fact that it's undermining the financial system in our broader economy, it's absolutely essential that policymakers work harder and more aggressively, come up with other ways of trying to help keep people in their homes. And I think there are a lot of good ideas out there, some of them coming from the administration, uh, other parts of the administration itself, and I, I think we need to pursue them aggressively. So would you say that on balance, even those uh, concerns, such as you mentioned, like moral hazard, the idea that you know one of the uh, principal beneficiaries from the mortgage lender side, you know, would be the sort of countrywides of the world who perhaps made uh, some risky loans that uh, to the extent that this is a bailout, that that's, that that's worth it given the, uh, the alternatives being much more, um, uh, or, or much less desirable. Yes, in, in part because all of these plans do require the mortgage owner, uh, the servicer, uh, the lender to, uh, to take, a, in a sense, a haircut. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, most of the plans now that are uh, being thought about uh, involve a mortgage write-down, reduce the value or the amount of mortgage debt owed by the borrower. And in many cases, in most cases, in all cases that I know of, the, the, those plans require the lender to suffer a loss, a significant loss. Moreover, uh, I, I don't think anyone looking uh, at this period in, in the plight of the lenders and servicers and the industry itself would think that they got off uh, in any shape or, or way or form, uh, they've suffered greatly. Uh, Countrywide is no longer with us. It's now part of B of A, Bank of America. So right. I, I don't think anyone's going to come away from this period w- with the idea that they're going to get bailed out if they make mistakes in the future. Your, um, your forthcoming book provides a fast-paced history of the subprime crisis from its uh, origins to how it spread, and then obviously today's fallout, which we're dealing with um, every day in, in the newspaper. Uh, there are a number of uh, players, actors, events, uh, conditions that you uh, talk about, and I wanted to go through a few of them and have you uh, identify the, the kinds of things that you, that you um, write about in your book. Um, uh, in terms of uh, Washington actors, um, uh, former Fed Chairman Greenspan. What was his role? Uh, two principal roles. One, uh, I, I think uh, he pursued a very aggressive uh, lowering in interest rates uh, earlier in the decade in the wake of uh, 9-11 and uh, the invasion of Afghanistan and Iraq, the collapse of the tech bubble. And, uh, you know, I don't know that we can uh, criticize that. I think in during that period, there was a great deal of concern about the strength of the economy and about deflation, not inflation. But I think there is room uh, to be critical of 
the conduct of policy once the economy began to gain its footing in 2000, late 2003, 2004, 2005. He was very, uh, very reticent to raise rates, uh, slow to raise rates. And it was that very low rate environment that uh, was the uh, was the fodder for uh, many of the aggressive mortgage loans that were made. And perhaps even more importantly than that, um, the second uh, error was uh, the fact that he didn't really place much faith or confidence in the regulatory side of what the Federal Reserve does. In fact, one of the key things the Fed does outside of setting monetary policy is regulate is the key regulator in the banking system, and it really did not pursue that uh, that uh, function uh, uh, in an aggressive way at a time when it was very uh, needed. That if the if the regulatory side of the Fed had been more aggressive in its oversight, uh, then I think uh, many of these uh, more egregious loans that were made that we're now suffering with would not have been made. And I think that was the second error that uh, that ultimately uh, that that uh, he created. So perhaps a. Um a slow to recognize the growing risk um, as these, um, uh, say, securitization devices became more complicated and, and complex and helped to fuel the source of, of money to fund uh, these kinds of activities. Yeah, I think that's that's certainly true. I, you know, but you know, to some degree, uh, lots of people would have missed that. Uh, I mean, that, it was new. It was sort of off the radar screen. It was difficult to see. Sort of. The magnitude of what was happening, but I think more fundamentally, it was, I think, his almost distrust of the regulatory process. That the thinking uh, that was pervasive, not only, not only Chairman Greenspan, but uh, in much wider circles, was that you know the market could regulate itself. That if properly, if capital standards were properly designed, if things were properly set up, then the market could do it better and that uh, regulatory oversight was not only not needed, it was counterproductive. And I think it was that general view uh, that uh, that uh, was the problem, that uh, we lost track of the importance of, uh, of the regulatory process that, that yeah, certainly can be, it can be overdone and burdensome, but it also has a purpose and a role, and, and it didn't play that role uh, in the lead-up to this crisis. In the uh, in the wake of uh, where we are now, there's uh, also been heavier uh, scrutiny and even uh, calls for more uh, regulation of rating agencies. How about uh, the rating agencies' uh, contribution yeah. here? And you should know, I am uh, part of uh, Moody's Corporation. I'm in an independent subsidiary called Moody's Analytics. It's independent from the rating agency. Uh, uh, but uh, for disclosure purposes, uh, everyone should know that so that they can take what I say with, with whatever grain of salt they would like. You know, in my view, uh, you know, the, the, the criticism that's been leveled at the rating agencies that there's been uh, rating shopping, the idea being that uh, that uh, Wall Street investment banks who issued the securities uh, that ultimately funded or financed the, the mortgage loans uh, could go to the agencies and, and shop. Uh, for the best rating, if they didn't get a good rating, they would go to the next agency. That that criticism, I think, is without merit or significant merit. Um, uh, there's no evidence of that, and there are good reasons to believe that that uh, was not the case. So I don't think that's the issue. I, I do think, however, there were problems with uh, data and models that, uh, to some degree, the, the, the data, to a very large degree, the data that the, the rating agencies were getting was just bad. I mean, they make it very clear to 
the uh, investment bank issuers that they're not going to re-underwrite the loans, that they're going to take the, uh, the loan uh, data that they get from the issuers at, as, at face value. And, you know, obviously that was a mistake, that uh, the, the data uh, that they were getting was, uh, in many cases, wrong and, and, and in other cases probably fraudulent, uh, that, uh, you know, people lied on their applications. And right. lenders facilitated that process and they got bumped data. And you get, everyone knows who's ever built a model, if you put bad data in, you're going to get padded data out. And also the models themselves, I mean, you know, it's, they were asked, the rating agencies were asked uh, to, uh, to rate securities that were brand new, and it's, they didn't have a whole lot of data to, to base their models on. And, of course, everyone knows that, and you can make uh, adjustments for it, but it's difficult to make uh, uh, proper adjustments uh, given the short time series, the, the, the lack of historical data available, given the fact that these, these, these mortgage loans and, and these securities were so brand new. They were really invented in, in this decade, and there wasn't a long time uh, period over which to evaluate uh, how they were going to perform, certainly not in, 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 a, in a housing environment uh, like the one we're in the middle of right now. Right. And uh, other players, uh, mortgage brokers who were paid essentially based on originations? Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, uh, you know, I think it's fair to say that the, uh, the mortgage brokerage uh, banking industry uh, uh, it, uh, certainly was a part of the problem. Now, it, it, interestingly enough, I mean, I think some of the major lenders, the biggest lenders, Probably got dragged down. It's sort of it's called Gresham's Law. The, you know, the drive by the, the bad drives out the good. Uh, if you want to do business as a banker and someone else is out there making lots of loans as, uh, with lower loan standards, it's very difficult not to lower your own lending standards. Otherwise, you'll be out of business. And I think uh, Gresham's Law was definitely at work uh, in the mortgage lending industry during the period. And of course, homeowners themselves, or you know, right. there are many kinds of homeowners. So some very well-intentioned, uh, some who just got trapped in the middle of this boom and bust, and uh, some that just didn't understand, you know, completely ignorant of the of the loans that they were getting into. Lots of surveys by the Federal Reserve to show that you know many of the borrowers really had no grip on what they were doing and getting into. And of course, there were there were uh, nefarious uh, borrowers right. uh, taking advantage of the system. I mean, there's various flavors of that. You know, there's the flippers who. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think they were fraudulent, but they, they were certainly trying to make a quick buck, and when they could, they turned the key back to the lender. And then there were the fraud, the fraud, the outright fraud that we're now seeing come to light. So lenders and borrowers were you know, involved and culpable in, the, in, the, in this as well. Right. I mean, classically, it just seems like lots of players, a uh, fair amount of uh, everyone in their respective uh, orbits uh, pushing the envelope, uh, uh, greed, hubris, uh, bad judgment, uh, and just bad luck, you know, in some cases, um, bad information, you know, you identified, um, but no one, you know, no one single, uh, culprit, not surprisingly in a, in a system, which is as complex as a modern mortgage finance. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think there's a lot of blame to go around and and given the scale and scope of, you know, what we're suffering, I, I think it's, it can only have happened if everyone participated in one form or another. I think more broadly, though, it goes to the fact that the, the, there was uh, the, the system was set up in such a way that no one institution, person, regulator, anybody had ultimate responsibility for the loans that were being made. And with no responsibility, uh, uh, people uh, took on 
enormous amounts of risk, and and it all came uh, to pass in this crisis. The other sort of fundamental force at work is, is the hubris you mentioned. You know, I think uh, give, despite all the the uh, uh, hard work that's gone into building good institutions and good regulatory oversight and good laws and all the rest, you know, when you get right down to it, we're still driven by uh, those, those so-called uh, animal spirits that Keynes talked about, and sometimes they just take over, and uh, we all got caught up in those animal spirits in one way or another. You've, um, you've also written on uh, another uh, phenomena um, that uh, arises out of the situation and sort of the, the growing uh, negative equity uh, situation. Um, some estimates I've seen as as much as ten percent of the single family stock of housing in this uh, position, or or on the on the way there, with uh, price declines still obtaining in many overbuilt markets. Um, uh, where is this headed? Do we have to go through an even more painful wringing out of of housing markets before we can truly have a, a rebound? Well, this is now the most serious uh, problem uh, uh, behind uh, the uh, force behind the uh, foreclosure, uh, surge in foreclosures we're, we're struggling with. Uh, just to give you a little bit of context, if you go back to 2006, early 07, when the foreclosures stir- first started to rise, most of that uh, increase was due to, to, for- to uh, disingenuous lenders, borrowers, the flippers who were turning the keys back to, to lenders because uh, the market had turned and turned against them. In, this, in mid-07, late-07, the foreclosures were, that were occurring were largely the result of uh, subprime borrowers who uh, were facing first payment resets. This was before the Federal Reserve had lowered interest rates, and the resets uh, were very, very large, uh, and most of the, uh, these homeowners couldn't make the mortgage payment, and they defaulted. In 2008, so far this year, uh, most of the problem uh, is related to this uh, large increase in the number of homeowners that are underwater on their mortgage, their ne- negative equity positions. Their, mm-hmm. their, the value of their home is measurably worth uh, less than their, the mortgage debt that they owe. And that by itself doesn't cause a, a person to default generally. You know, there's some discussion of walkaways where people are so right. far underwater. But I think that's still a minor issue, and it's only in isolated areas. Right. But it's when you have this... Uh, negative equity, which is a necessary condition for default, mixed with disruptions to income, which is now evident across the country in the right. world of rising unemployment or lost overtime hours and so forth, that that creates a mess, and that's what we're saying. And then you, 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 we have now gotten ourselves into, in many markets, this uh, what economists would call negative feedback, feedback loop, or what you might call, some other people might call it a death spiral, where you, you have these foreclosures that are being dumped on the market at discounted prices. The lower prices are driving prices down for all homes, pushing more people into negative equity positions, which is causing more foreclosures, and you're in this self-reinforcing cycle down. And that's where we are today. And, and just to, to close the loop, the circle, this is why I think it's very important for the Frank Dodd plan to get passed and why Congress and administration should be working on the next plan, uh, next set of ideas to try to uh, to short-circuit this, this negative cycle. Well, that next plan, uh, if it comes, will largely be up to the next Congress, uh, given uh, the current uh, legislative calendar here. 2008, of course, is 
an election year with both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue up for grabs, most people see the economy's uh, manifold problems as favoring uh, the Democratic Party. And and I know you've been involved uh, in the McCain campaign. You're on his team of economic advisors. Uh, First of all, do you agree uh, with that assessment that these um, uh, extreme economic uh, uh, troubles and certainly uncertainty cuts in favor of Democrats, and and if so, uh, what could uh, Senator McCain uh, do about that, if anything? Well, I I think it hurts incumbents, uh, whether they're Democrat or Republican. A bad economy is bad for the incumbent uh, uh, party uh, because, uh, 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 rightfully so, they get get the blame for uh, what's going wrong. Uh, They'll get the credit when things are going right, and they'll get the blame when things are going wrong. And so I think uh, the incumbent party, which is the Republican Party, is is uh, in fact uh, being hurt more by uh, the tough economy than uh, the, de- the than the, uh, the the Democratic Party. What can be done? Well, uh, in the short term, uh, to to help uh, work our way through the current problems, uh, I do think uh, the housing issue is the most significant weight on the economy. So I think passage of Frank Dodd is key, and Senator McCain, as well as Senator Obama, have supported that plan. Uh, Senator McCain has also come forward with another uh, idea to try to help facilitate uh, loan modifications called the Home Plan. Uh, I think he feels like that has uh, uh, little chance of passage anytime soon, and that's why he's very supportive of Frank Dodd, but that's still something that he's put forward and is hopeful that... uh, We'll get a hearing uh, uh, in the near future. Certainly, if he's president, then we'll get a hearing. Uh, he's uh, proposed a gas tax holiday, not as a solution to our energy problem. Uh, that uh, certainly doesn't do that, but it takes a little bit of the edge off uh, for lower-income households who are trying to get to work, and uh, reducing the, uh, eliminating the tax for a period of time uh, might make that a little bit easier when gasoline is going for four-plus dollars. Um, uh, so, so those are some of the things for the near term. But, you know, I think we've got some pretty daunting long-term economic problems, and uh, that's where I think he's most focused. And I think, you know, ultimately, uh, uh, hopefully the, uh, the voters will, will focus on that as well. And two key ones, one is energy policy, absolutely vital uh, to focus on that, both from the supply of new energy as well as trying to work to constrain the growth and demand. Both are necessary. We have to be very ecumenical with respect to our energy policy. It's absolutely vital. Uh, key to our long-term economic health. And then uh, the fiscal situation. Uh, you know, I think it's uh, the next president's most significant problem, economic problem, is going to be what to do about the very daunting fiscal math that we face. I mean, the entitlement programs are uh, slated to grow very rapidly. That combined with uh, uh, the uh, the, 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 the belief and view that we should not raise taxes means that we're going to have uh, fiscal problems. Even if we do raise taxes, uh, we're going to have fiscal problems uh, because uh, of the size of Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid just a few years down the road. So I think uh, we need to come together uh, in a bipartisan way and come up with solutions to trying to constrain the growth in, in, in those entitlement programs. That's going to be absolutely vital and, uh, and key, uh, and I think that's where he's going to be focused. I'd be uh, remiss if I didn't at least mention the uh, the bankruptcy proposal, of course, the modification of home 
mortgage proposals in Chapter 13, which uh, got a lot of attention, uh, came up for a vote in the Senate in April and, and was uh, defeated. Um, obviously, given uh, the fact that we're still going to be in uh, this soup in uh, January with a new Congress and a new president one way or the other, uh, do you see that uh, issue uh, having new legs uh, in the new Congress? It, it, you know, it may very well uh, get a, another hearing uh, in the next uh, presidency. Um, certainly, uh, Senator Obama has uh, has come out uh, strongly Supportive. in favor of that. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I have actually testified in, in support of the idea, uh, just to make sure everyone understands the idea, it's that uh, a... Uh, uh, a homeowner with with a first mortgage can go into bank bankruptcy chapter 13 bankruptcy uh, the bankruptcy judge will have the ability under this uh, change to uh, to write down the the, uh, the the size of the mortgage debt owed right now under current law they cannot do that uh, and they will only be able to do that under current legislation at least the, the versions I've seen uh, for loans that were originated historically between 2005 and I believe mid 2007 so as is not does not pertain to mortgages being made going forward, uh, and I, I you know I think that this is a, uh, a legitimate step, a reasonable step to take. I, I you know I can understand the concern about future borrowing costs, uh, but I think that uh, concern is largely mitigated by the fact that this is only applies to loans that have already been originated. And I think it's uh, people will understand that this is a a very unusual period and it's not going to happen again or very unlikely to happen again, certainly not in our lifetime, and I don't think it'll have any reasonable or measurable impact on the cost of, of credit or the availability of credit going forward. And I do think it does provide an avenue for very troubled homeowners who really want to make good. I mean, going, you know better than I, Sam, I mean, Chapter 13 is not easy. That's a painful process for most people. Right. And if they go, they decide that they're going to go down that route, then uh, they're committed Uh and they're committed to trying to make it work and hold on to their home and, and make good, and so you know I think that kind of uh, that kind of commitment should should be rewarded. And I think it will keep people in the home and it will take some of the pressure off the housing market, the financial system, and the broader economy. Yeah, I think um, uh, in the wake of whatever results obtained from the from the Dodd Frank bill, if it if it does look like it's not um, helping uh, what it was projected to help, and that. Something again with a little more muscle is needed. Uh, perhaps that that gets a that gets a boost uh, post uh, 09, uh, given that uh, the numbers are still going to be uh, pretty dramatic. Uh, right. Most um, there seems to be a disconnect uh, between some economists. I'm not sure what which camp you're in is in terms of the degree of of, of, of pessimism. Some economists are saying that the second half of the year uh, portends a slight rebound. Uh, the Fed looks like it's going to keep rates steady for a while, but consumers, um, I mean, their confidence seems uh, just uh, in the gutter. Uh, the conference board, you know, reporting the bleakest kind of six-month outlook in the, I think, the history of their survey. Um, and that seems like, um, you know, given how important consumers are to the national economy, if consumers pull back, if they are truly as uh, Wilbur Ross was quoted today as saying, "I just simply tapped out, burned out." Um, I'm not sure anybody wants to be president in that environment. <laughs> um, right. Uh, 
so which which camp are you in? Are you in the the, the more pessimistic or the uh, slightly uh, slightly optimistic? Well, uh, uh, being the good economist I try to be, I'm right down the middle, <laughs> Sam. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be a tough six, certainly tough, really tough six months, probably tough twelve months. I really don't think. Even under the best of circumstances, you know it's going to be till the sort of the end of the decade, end of 2009, before we feel reasonably comfortable again about how the economy is going and, and, and consumer confidence starts to rise again. I, you know, there are a lot of headwinds. Housing issues aren't going away fast. Uh, the foreclosure problem, as we discussed, is going to be with us for quite some time. Uh, we've got energy prices where they are and uh, four dollar plus gasoline. And the next issue this winter is going to be home heating. I mean, that's around the corner. Natural mm-hmm. gas prices are at record highs as well. Uh, and the financial system is very unsettled. Uh, you know, the banks are struggling to raise capital, and there's more write-downs coming. The regional banks and the smaller institutions are going to come under lots of pressure as their construction, land development loans, and commercial mortgages start to have difficulty. Right. Right. So, you know, this, isn't, this doesn't feel like, to me, that we're going to get out of this easily. We may not be in a recession, I mean, a technical recession right. where GDP is falling, but it's certainly going to feel very, very uncomfortable, uh, I think, uh, you know, through, through this year and, and into next. Uh, and so I think, I think it's going to be a tough economic environment. Yeah, I mean, our, uh, whatever barometer this is, our, our uh, 12,000 ABI members are very busy and certainly uh, uh, expected to project uh, that way um, uh, in both corporate and, and personal bankruptcies. And, and that means for a lot of uh, opportunities for more comment by smart economists like Mark Sandy. <laughs> well, that's kind. Uh, we are uh, out of time for today. I want to especially thank our guest, uh, Mark Sandy of MoodyEconomy.com, for joining us today. Uh, we thank all our listeners also. You can hear or download the archive of past ABI podcasts at our website which you can get at uh, by abi.org or abiworld.org. And so uh, until next time, this is uh, Sam Giordano of the American Bankruptcy Institute saying good day.